Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This church back then, in the first century, these apostles, these guys coming in, I've got a word from the Lord. Now, you might remember before Paul left this area of Ephesus, he had a meeting with the elders and he, he brought them together. And he says, fellas, come here. And they came from around all these different places. And he had a meeting with the elders. And the Bible says with tears, he said to them, Paul said that when I leave, he said that there are going to be wolves that are going to rise up from among you. False teachers rise up from among us. They don't come into the church and go, hello, I'm a false teacher. I'm here to devour the sheep. And we go, oh, yeah, there's a false teacher. Let's all go. Come on, sheep. Let's go get eaten by the false teacher. We don't, no, they don't do that. If you're waiting for them to say, hi, false teacher, visitor, then it's not going to happen. What does happen is like Paul said, they rise up from among us. And Paul says, and they will not spare the flock. I want you to know this. And he said it with tears and with weeping. And that actually did happen. And that's why the Lord is commending them that you didn't tolerate those guys who came in and they were seeking to devour the sheep. They weren't seeking to feed the flock of God. They were fleecing the flock of God. And the Lord says, good job. You guys are a scripture loving church. And not only were they a scripture-loving church and a separated and steadfast church, but these guys, notice, fast forward, if you will, to verse 6. But this you have, this is another good thing you're doing. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. God is a God of love. God is a God of tolerance. And he just loves the world. He loves the children. Well, yeah, he is a God of love. But he is also a God who can hate. Really? Yeah. He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, who in the world are the Nicolaitans? The word Nicolaitan, it actually is a compound word. We have two words in the Greek language, Nico, N-I-K-O. I think Nike stole this, man. I'm telling you, I think Nike stole it. Nico, which means to conquer. And Laos means the people, or we have the word laity. The word speaks of those who would or who had conquest over the people. 
The Nicolaitans were a clergy over the people or those who lorded over the people. Now, it's interesting to me that already in the early church, you saw this separation of clergy and laity. You know, we are the clergy, you peasants are the laity. The Bible doesn't teach that. As a matter of fact, God hates that. When pastors exalt themselves above the people, when pastors think that they are all that, they think they're important. God hates that. When they lord over the people, oh, I'm the pastor of the church. Children, my children, come serve me. Jesus says, no. You want to be like Jesus? He came to serve people, not to be served. And so these Nicolaitans, they lorded over the people. They had a conquest over the people. And the Nicolaitans, they would say, listen to me. I will tell you what God has to say in regard to your life. The Nicolaitans put a separation between God and the people, and they made themselves the mediator between God and the people. Now, I remember when I was coming up in school, and many of you know the same, I grew up in the Catholic Church. As you know, I went to Catholic school all my life, and had my, had my knuckles hit by the nuns with the ruler when I wasn't holding my pen right. Y'all know how that happens. You just writing along and singing a happy song and whack! You're like, ooh, ah, 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 Okay. And I grew up in Catholic church, and, and I remember going to confession, which for me personally was a traumatic experience. It really was. Because, you know, going to, you're a kid. You go in a dark booth and then somebody just shows up. I mean, it just kind of blew me away. And, you know, I would confess my sin and the priest would tell me, go say, you know, whatever it is in recompense to whatever it is I did wrong. Yeah, Hail Marys and, uh, and uh, you know, just whatever they, they prescribed. And, and the priest would tell me, that uh, you, you can go say these things, go light some candles, and then your sins will be forgiven. And then the priest would take my sin to Mary, and Mary would take that sin to the Father, and the Father would forgive my sin. That was the process. The Bible does not teach that. That's not biblical. And if, if anything, and let me say this with all love and sensitivity, God hates that because it separates the people from the Father. And not only that, but more importantly, it messes up the redemptive picture. What is that? Jesus died to save us from our sins. And if we confess our sins to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you put someone in the middle, the man in the middle, uh, apart from Jesus, the man in the middle, that's not of God. God hates that. That is the conquest of the people or lording over the people. God hates that. I say that with love and trepidation, but it's true. Now, First Timothy tells us that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man who? 
Christ Jesus. There's just one mediator, and that's Jesus. You see, Jesus hates this because it separated people from him. Now, as you read this letter, you might be tempted. If you were grading this church, you might give this church an A on their report card because they did all the right stuff outwardly. But as I said, there was a real problem. Notice in verse 4, nevertheless, that word means in spite of all of this, in spite of all you've done, Notice this, underline it, remember it, may the Holy Spirit reveal it to your heart. You have left your first love. You see, you've left your first love. Now, notice something here. It says you have left your first love, not you have lost your first love. That is an important distinction. You have left your first love. Again, this is a busy, active, energetic church, serving, steadfast, separated, scripture-loving church. But activity began to replace affection, and programs replaced passion, and duty replaced devotion, and they left their first love. There is a distinction I have heard people say, well, I've lost. People have said to me, I've lost my first love. And I would say to them, no, you have left your first love. There's a difference between leaving and losing your first love. You see, you can be lost by accident. But leaving is a deliberate, willful act. When you lose something, you don't know where to find it. When you leave something you know where to go and pick it up again. Now, I wonder if when you personally read this verse, search your heart, does this verse send a dagger through your heart? God says, darling, you have left your first love. Now, here's a little litmus test, if you will, to see if you have left your first love. Little test. Ask yourself. Do the things that once stirred your heart still stir your heart? Do they? The things that once moved you and amazed you, do they still move and amaze you? You remember the first time when you used to pick up the Bible and it seemed that God was speaking right to you? I don't know about you, but I remember that. I'd read the Bible and it seemed like God, the words of this jumped off the page. I remember one time I read the Bible, and it was in Hebrews, and it was talking about that God did not, would not give us anything more than we could bear. Would not tempt us above that which we could bear in Hebrews 4-ish. I'll never forget that day. (laughs) And I remember running to the chapel at the hospital, and I opened up that verse, and I'm telling you, it appeared that someone had highlighted that verse. I mean, the word of God just totally spoke to my heart. I pick it up and I read it and and it seemed like it's speaking right to me. And it was exactly what I wanted to hear. Or how about when someone received the Lord? Does a tear still fill your eyes? Or do you look at them and think, you know, are they really sincere? Oh, that's just a show. Is that what you think? 
Are you more interested in knowledge than knowing? Then this is a biggie. You know, some people are sermon connoisseurs. They come to church, they listen to sermons, and they rate them. Well, Rodney, I'll give you three and a half stars for that one. At weakest link. Goodbye. I mean, people do that. And they come to church with this heart of not learning more, getting more knowledge instead of really knowing the Lord. They come to church with thinking that, you know, what else can I learn versus what can I hear from God that God might speak to my heart? That I might change, that I might come with a ready heart and a ready mind. These are some of the things that can be an indication of the fact that you have grown cold, that the fire that once burned bright and strong is dwindling. Is that passion still alive? You need to be careful. I mean, even in your marriage, it's true. When you first started dating and you met your, your spouse, you remember if you're married, you couldn't take your eyes off of her. Or him. You couldn't take your eye, and you were always touching and rubbing each other. Now, I know, I was, actually, I was here, as a matter of fact. And I think it was David Hawking was speaking, and, and, and I don't know if you're these people, and if you are, I mean. <laughs> but, but I was sitting back there, and there's this couple in front of me, and uh, they, oh, they just couldn't, couldn't take their hands off each other. And it's so distracting. And she was rubbing his back and massaging his shoulders, and I'm going... <laughs> you know, because you know, you're, you're distracting now. I'm not hearing what's going on up here. I'm like, oh, yo, that looks like it feels so good. And, he, and, and he's rubbing her hair. Like, and they just can't take their eyes off of each other. And, and nothing else matters. Now, when you're in church, please don't try this at church. I mean, something else should matter at church. Say amen. Okay, thank you. You're with me. Jesus should matter. What's going on in the word of God should matter. So I'm not condoning that you start rubbing on each other at church. But I am saying that the attitude is, is right. Not at church, but it is right. And especially not if you're not married and you don't know the person sitting next to you. Don't, don't do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe they might like it. If you, you know, amen. See you. But I mean, it's true that nothing else should matter when we are in the presence of the Lord. Nothing else should matter if we are loving the Lord with our whole heart. And we haven't lost that first love. And we haven't lost that passion and desire. Now, Satan might tell you, if you've left your first love, there's no way to go back. He might be telling you that this morning. Ronnie, you just don't understand, man. I am really gone. I have so left my first love, I wouldn't even know what track to get back on to go find it. And Satan's got you ripped off. Listen, God gives us the prescription on how to go back. And they all begin with R. Like Morgan Freeman said in Miss Daisy, Ara. They all begin with Ara. 
Remember, write this down. Remember, repent, and return. Remember, repent, and return. Notice in verse 5, if you will. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and return or do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, here's the divine remedy or the prescription. Three R's. Remember, repent, and return. Remember from where you have fallen. Think about how far you have fallen. In other words, the idea here is that you have come from a height to a depth. You have not like you were on the ground and you fell, but no, you are Christian. God has raised you up. And now you have fallen. So you have come from a height to a depth. And the Bible says, start there. Remember, he has raised you up and now you have fallen. Remember from where you have fallen. Think back to the time when you were most in love with the Lord. Remember what it felt like when you first got saved. Remember when you used to read your Bible every day and God would speak to you. And you made time for reading your Bible. Remember when you couldn't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. Remember when you used to rush to church because you didn't want to miss worship. Remember how painful it was when you couldn't get to church on Wednesday and Sunday to hear Pastor Rodney's awesome sermons. (laughs) Remember. Think back. Think about how far you have fallen. Remember. And then secondly, repent. That means to stop your car, you're going in the wrong direction. It means to change your mind, change your direction, change your heart, change your lifestyle, change your values. Instead of rationalizing and saying, well, everybody has his or her vices, I've heard it all. Well, that's just the way I'm wired, Pastor. God loves me just like I am. Yeah, he loves you too much to leave you that way also. Don't rationalize. You know, that's just, you know, just the way I am. You know, I'm, I, I'm not as bad as I used to be. Or the one I hate the most. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. So in other words, I get to walk in the flesh as much as I want because Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Yeah, don't rationalize. Repent. You know, the story is ch- told of a church building that was in desperate need of repainting. And not having a lot of money in the church budget, the preacher decided to thin the paint, hoping to make it go farther. After a hard day of painting the church, the building was completely painted. During the night, it rained and washed off most of the thin paint. When the preacher arrived for Sunday worship, he was horrified at the sight, and he asked himself what to do. And at that time, a voice came from heaven and was heard saying, Repaint! Repaint and thin no more. (laughs) It's one of them preacher things, you know, I love it. It's unbelievable. Repaint and repaint and thin no more. Well, but listen, listen. (laughs) Don't repaint and thin no more. Don't repaint. Don't whitewash. Don't cover up. 
the Bible says, don't repaint, repent. Remember and repent and then repeat or return. In other words, go back to what you were doing when you left. It's not that difficult. Start reading your Bible. Start praying. Start believing God. Come to church expecting to meet with God. Get to the church early. Get here in time for worship. Come with a ready heart and then go search the scriptures like the Bereans did. Get back to doing the things for God out of love that you used to do rather than duty. Allow the Holy Spirit to have his rightful place in your life. And if you don't, notice... The word says, or else. Did you see that in verse 5? God says, or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You see, God won't stay around where he's not wanted. And if you don't love him, he won't hang around. And this doesn't mean people lose their salvation or the church is going to lose their salvation. But what Jesus is simply saying is the church will lose its ability to shed the light of the truth. They will no longer be a lighthouse and they will no longer be effective. And that is true. What happened in the church at Ephesus, Jesus did in fact remove the lampstand from his church because there is today no church in Ephesus, just ruins. So apparently, they didn't follow the prescription. And then finally, in verse 7, notice in your Bibles, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Now, raise your hand if you have an ear. And raise your hand if you have two ears. Yes. So that means doubly listen. To what the Spirit says to the church, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Notice the tree of life talked about in the book of Genesis is now back in the garden in paradise, in the paradise of God. We will find that at the end of the book, in the, at the end of Revelation the tree of life will be back for us to eat and to enjoy eternal and abundant life. And John says, if you have an ear, and most certainly if you have two ears, hear what the Spirit says to the church. This is a call to attention. A call to attention. It's almost like in the military, we say, ten hut! Everybody would click their heels and Stand up straight, come to attention. You have an ear to hear, you need to hear what the Spirit says to you this morning. You lost your first love? Go back and pick up where you left off. Go back. You remember. What were you doing? that got you so in love with the Lord. Then go back to that. You know, that's the message of the gospel. Come. See, all the other world religions say go. They say go and get right with God. Go, go get yourself cleaned up. Go and reach nirvana, and then you have arrived. 
go and do this and go and do that and, and go. But, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, the Christian message, the message of Jesus himself is not only to the church at Ephesus, but to this church this morning. Come. 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 Just, just come. Just, just turn around and come back to me. Remember Return and repeat. Repent. Remember, repent and repeat or return. Come. And if you do come, the Bible says he will in no way push you away. Don't be like the church at Ephesus. They didn't learn. And the lampstand was removed. The light of Jesus was removed. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. 0923 or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org we would like to thank you for tuning in to salt and light and pray that you have been blessed until next time may you be salt and light